Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, our school-age kids uh, can be dismissed to the back. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Covenant Church, and um, it is Memorial Day weekend, and everybody heard I was preaching and just tried to stay home today, and so that is okay. That is okay. Um, we are wrapping up our series on prayer today, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6, if you're going to turn your Bibles there. So Jesus, um, he taught his disciples how to pray, not how to preach. Let's say that again. Jesus taught his followers how to pray. And maybe the most practical thing you see Jesus ever teach, he literally says, pray like this, and then tells them what to pray. That is as clear as Jesus God, I feel like, in the scriptures. He says, pray like this. He taught them to pray. He did not teach them to, to, to preach, to strategize, to plan, to save money, to do any of these things. Jesus taught his followers how to pray. And listen, for me, for you, for us at Covenant, in Shreveport, in Bossier, in, 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 the, in the West, in the church now, we have this problem where we see everything in our life as a flesh and blood problem that deserves a flesh and blood response. So uh, you need money. You don't pray for money. You make a budget, which is a good thing. You, make it, you save money. You plan for money. You do these things. Your kids are acting up. What do you do? You read a book. You ask somebody else. You strategize. You plan. You discipline. You do all these things, all good things. We don't pray. Somebody gets sick, we go to a doctor, we go to a specialist, we go to Google. Don't do that. It's just scary. We do all these things, but we don't pray. But also in, in the West, and if I'm honest in my own heart, and in, I think in your heart as well, we just don't spend time with Jesus. Like prayer in its most basic form is just talking with God. It's just talking with God. And us, many of us, myself included, we just don't talk with God. We do all of these things. And we put all this way into relation with other people, with our spouse, with our kids, with friends, co-workers, a boss. We do all this time spent in relationship with those people, and they just let us down. Because we're just, we're hungry for this thing that your spouse cannot satisfy. Most of the fights with your spouse come down to you wanting them to satisfy you as only God can satisfy you. So we spend time with people and things, but we don't spend time in prayer. So we have all these problems, right, with absolutely no solution. And we have this huge God-shaped hole in our hearts. And hear this, I truly know this in, in my, my heart as well. We be, I believe this. That our issue is we do not know how to walk with God. We have all these habits. Eating habits, diet habits, spending habits, all these habits. But the habit for a follower of Jesus is spending time with Jesus, is praying with him. That is the habit. And if we don't learn that it is a desperate need for us to be with Jesus, we are never going to mature in our faith. We are never going to experience the joy of actually walking with Jesus. We're going to be frustrated, be anxious, going to be tired. 
So a few weeks ago, um, this is going to sound terrible, but just hear me out for a second. So we have some neighbors who had a, a sick child who is better now. Just put it out there. And um, so one night, uh, me and some of my neighbors said, uh, we'll put kids to bed around 7.30 or 8. We'll all meet out front to go pray together. Kids are in bed. We can step in our front yards. We can pray together. Come back inside. It'll be just fine. So we go outside about 8 o'clock. Kids are in bed. Um, say, so stay in bed. And um, we go out front to meet our neighbors. It's this great, rich time in prayer. We're crying. We're laughing. And Tracy says, huh, hope the kids are still in bed. And we start walking towards our front door. And we just hear screaming, Mommy, Daddy, where are you? Where are you? Complete panic from Hayes and Connor, my two oldest boys. They, like, they're probably traumatized, honestly. And so um, it's not funny, but it is. Uh, Here's how I'm wired. So that night, I was almost crying. I was so upset. I tell Luke and Weston the next day. Their response is, they should have stayed in bed. They should have stayed in bed. And so that is how we are wired differently as pastors. And, um, uh, <laughs> but, um, but what you saw, and this and it's kind of a dramatic point, but in that moment, this is kind of the, the desperation I'm talking about. Hayes and Connor, their, their problem was they missed out on their, on their father and their mother. And they were literally going crazy because we were not there. And I feel like we can learn something from that childlike desperation. They had to have something, this, this safety, right? We sing these songs, the anchor in my waves, right? That you are good, but we don't live that way. If God is gone from our lives, if he's outside with his neighbors, we don't care. We're on Netflix or we're on something else. When the, the posture of a follower of Jesus should be just this crying out desperation for the presence of God. That is the posture of a follower of Jesus. So what is prayer? Tim Keller says this. What is prayer? Then in the fullest sense, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. Relationship right there. The power of our prayers then lies not primarily in our effort and striving or in any technique but rather in our knowledge of God. Uh, Joe Carter says this, prayer is an encounter with God that is initiated by him through his word and that changes our hearts. As we humbly communicate with God and worship the Lord, we confess our sins and transgressions and ask him to fulfill both our needs and the desires of our hearts. You see this word, both these quotes, encounter. It's this encounter. So prayer is this relationship with God. We simply just talk to God, right? If you love someone, you talk to them. God has already spoken through his word. So the first thing we do is we hear from God in his word. That's the initiating kind of act by God right there. So we respond back to God through his word we, in relationship. Prayer also recalibrates our hearts and our lives. There is this sense many days, many nights, many weeks where I come into a time of prayer and I am completely off, right? And I just have to recalibrate. So you see these two things. We encounter God in relationship. He kind of recalibrates every time we pray to him. And over time, we begin to change. 
Prayer is this thing where we take God's word from our head and we push it down into our souls through meditating on his word and crying out to him. So a lot of us, we, we know God's word on some level, but we never push it down to our souls. It is kind of like we know, you know, your Facebook status or these stats on a sports team. We know these things, but they have been pushed down to our souls because we don't take the time to spend with God in prayer. So this is where we get very practical. But how? So if you're with me, if you desire this, if you don't, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, but if you're with me right now, how do we do this? Jesus is very, very clear in Matthew 6. Let's read this. Verse 5. And when you pray, he assumes we're praying, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So before we jump into the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives direction right here. And if this is just to kind of be very simple. He says, be humble, be simple, be sincere. Be humble, be simple, be sincere. Be humble, be simple, be sincere. We come to God. It's we come to him like a child. And we just are very humble. There's not these great, eloquent words. We just talk to God from the bottom of our heart. We're sincere. We don't, because he knows in front of people, we tend to not be sincere, right? But when you're by yourself and there's nothing else but, to, but God and you, you're much more sincere. So come to God as we, as we start this Lord's Prayer. We come humble, we come simple, we come sincere. And then Jesus moves into very, very specific steps on how to pray. Verse 9. Pray then like this. Those are pretty powerful words that God said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this prayer, we see six petitions that we're just going to walk through. Today's going to be very, very simple, very, very practical. The first thing we see is we we see the Father's character. That's the first thing that this prayer starts with, and really all prayers should almost start with this right here. The Father's character. How does it start? Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. We need to start with who God is. Hear me, friends. We need to start with who God is, not our laundry list, not our things, not all this stuff. We start with who God is because that is our only hope. Think about Acts 4, right? We see this in Acts already. So Peter uh, is told to stop preaching the gospel. He goes to his, his church 
It says, they said this. Their response is to pray. They don't pray for new laws or new things. Or new, they, they pray about who God is. That's, that prayer starts with that right there. Our Father in heaven, this eternal being, right? See, this God is very, very close. He is our Father. And we see all throughout, especially the Gospels, Jesus says, come to me like a child. Our Father. And, and I have kids, and um, I would do almost anything for my kids. I wouldn't say anything. Um, it's like a shark or something. They're on their own if a shark's out there or something, or a snake, or really any animal. They're kind of on their own on that one. But, um, but you think about our, our Father, right? He is a perfect Father. He adopted you, adopted us into his family. Not because you were good or smart or holy, because he adopted you. Because he loved you. We have nothing to worry about because God is our Father. We have this just security, right? Because he's our Father. He is so close. If you have kids, think about how you love your kids. And I love getting gifts for my kids, even dumb, even dumb gifts. Seeing them be excited about stuff is one of the greatest joys a parent has. And that is nothing compared to your father's love for you. So he's very, very close. But he's also very, very different. He's our father in heaven. Not our father in airline drive. He's our father in heaven. Which means he's the king. Not the king of like America or, or, or the world. He is the king of everything. You look at, you see these pictures from NASA, right? Of these galaxies and these stars and you're blown away. He is the king of all of that, right? He created everything. I was talking with uh, Kevin Rivets earlier, talking about volcanoes and how amazing how they work and God was the creator of all of those things. At the beach this week, and I see the ocean, and it just goes and goes and goes. And God created all of that by just saying that, right? And God is sovereign. He has worked all things together for the good of those who love him. I can't plan a vacation. (laughs) So God loves you. He is your father. But he's also very, very different. He is in heaven. He's holy. God is perfect. He's completely patient, completely loving, completely just. So he's your father, but he's very, very different. So what does that lead to, the response? Hallowed be your name. We start with who God is, and it just leads to worship. It just leads to worship. When we really focus on who God is, our only response is right here, is hallowed be your name. We primarily know who God is through his word. Tim Keller says this, Our prayers should arise out of immersion in the scripture. We speak only to the degree we are spoken to. The wedding of the Bible and prayer anchors your life down in the real God. So this week, um, so Luke preached a few weeks on using the Psalms in your prayer, right? And if you read the Psalms, really all of scripture hangs on these two things. Kind of God's loving as a father and God's holy, sovereign creator. You see these kind of two pictures of God all throughout Scripture. And if you just start in your Bible and read Psalms, you will see this picture of God as being a loving, 
pursuing Father, but also as the set-apart, holy, creator, sovereign king. I would encourage you to, to start in your Bible, to just read. Read the Psalms and write down when you see how God is pursuing you, how God loves you, how God's a father, how he takes care of us, he delights in us. All these things, write those down. Then you keep, you keep reading, you see where God is holy, God is just, God is mighty, God is creator, God is sovereign. You write those things down and pray those back to God. He's our father in heaven. He is close, but very, very different. And to start your prayer life off, your prayer day off with this worship of God, where you say, hallowed be your name. That's how we come to God in prayer with this kind of picture of who he is. We come as humble children crying out to our Father in heaven. We start with who God is and who we are in light of who he is. Because he adopted me, I am a child of God. I am loved. I am secure. I strive and and want for nothing because I am a child of God. And then we move to the next verse. The Father's kingdom. We have the Father's character. We move to the Father's kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen, this is the, (laughs) for me, this is the part of this kind of model prayer that I literally, I don't want to say wrestle with, or, or that just kind of cuts up against me every single time I pray it. Every single time I come to God, I say, your kingdom come, uh, your will be, I guess, done on, I guess, in my world, like it is, I guess. Because it's just really, really hard. Because every single day I wake up, it is about me from the moment I wake up. Ask my wife. Every single day, a kid wants milk. Trace, are you up yet? And so, because every day I wake up and it starts being about me. This morning, my alarm went up at 5 a.m., I hit snooze four times because it woke, I woke up and it was about me. I had to literally go get in the shower and pray this prayer right here and say, God, let today be about your kingdom and not Jason's kingdom today. Right? That's hard. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's a great picture of this from Paul in Philippians 1, verse 20. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Okay, Paul. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. That is a person, a great picture who is living out, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done, and I'm good. Because you're secure in your identity, right? He is the Father in heaven. If he's the Father in heaven, whatever you say goes. I'm just here. You adopted me, you brought me in, now use me. That's the order as things go as we pray to God. Listen, praying for God's kingdom come in our life, it takes the mundane out of life. It really, it takes the mundane and in a sense makes your life miraculous because you see yourself as being used for a much greater purpose. So Jeff Grubb shared a story a few weeks ago about his workplace, how one day he said, 
I'm going to start praying. I'm going to invite people to, into my life, a prayer meeting at work, during our break time. People are getting saved, marriages restored, all kind of crazy things. And I asked Jeff a few weeks after all this started happening and seeing God move, I said, Jeff, is work boring now? He said, not at all. Works at KCS. It's a thousand degrees right now at KCS when he works. Um, but there is great purpose to doing God's kingdom work in the midst of our mundane of every single day. Parents, as you are raising little kids or big kids or, gosh, teenagers, all these things that are just so hard and kind of terrible, honestly. But when you pray for God's kingdom to come through your family, right, it takes the mundane. I'll give you a picture. It's going to make me sound good. I'm not good. Trust me. So I, it was, I mean, we were on vacation this week at the beach, and so I'm kind of happy right now. I mean, it's, this is tan as I get, though. I'm sorry. And uh, we're at the beach, and um, my three-year-old Connor, I, I literally had prayed this prayer this morning, like, like so clear, you know, revival on the back patio kind of thing. And we're sitting at the beach. We're all kind of relaxing. And Connor uh, says, I got to pee. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, dude, go in the ocean. I'm sorry if you, that offends you. I apologize. Um, that's what we do. And, um, but Connor won't do it. I'm not going to pee in the ocean. The only kid in the world that won't pee in the ocean, right? So I have to walk a mile and a half to the bathroom up here through the sand. And I'm a little overweight. And so it's kind of hard for me. And, and so, but it, the Holy Spirit reminds me, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so I literally try to, with humble joy, say, let's go, Connor. And um, we're walking to the bathroom, and Connor, who's kind of mean, says just, Daddy, I love holding your hand. As simple as that, right? And that wasn't like God being a magic fairy or anything, but like there was this sense, because I wasn't just ticked off to walk my three-year-old through the sand for a mile and a half to the bathroom, I could enjoy the gift God has given me. Because his kingdom was coming through me just simply loving what's in front of me. Listen, many times our lives, we are not going to like, I don't know how to say this. We are, you know, our lives are much more ordinary than we think. That the things in front of you, your family, your kids, your neighbor, your workplace, that is your mission field. We see these videos of the Palong, and I get so, I see this village behind this guy, and 10 families living with him. I'm like, that is so awesome. A good chance your life will not look like that. But you do have neighbors who needs God's kingdom to come in your neighborhood. And you are the person to pray for that. Your kids need to see this kingdom in your little household, in your three-bedroom house. They need to see God's kingdom at work. And it only happens as we faithfully talk to the Father in heaven. And he changes your marriage. He makes you patient through faithfully spending time with him. Here's a question to ask. What does it look like for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? What do you think that looks like? I would encourage you to go to the Sermon on the Mount and just read the words of Jesus. As you read the words of that sermon, right, of what Jesus talks about his kingdom looking like, we have this great picture of what God's kingdom looks like. Many times, we are fooled either through the people we follow, the news we follow, whatever it is, to being tricked into this different kind of kingdom. But if, God, if our earth looks like heaven, things should look different. 
We as a people should look different. Not just laws looking different, but us looking different in the midst of this world. The poor should be fed, even in the midst of suffering, time, money, security concerns. We should love those people on the fringes because we're praying for God to bring his kingdom here on earth. So a result of that is we do things as we pray that help make this world look more like heaven, right? That we see ourselves not just as consumers, but as contributors to the world around us. Which means if you live in a neighborhood, it's your job to make it look nice, to make it welcoming, to be loving, to be open, throw the best parties because we are the kingdom bearers in our community, in our city. Let's keep going. Start with yourself, what's in front of you. Next thing is the Father's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. So, full disclosure, Jesus is talking to people who are very, very poor. They literally don't know where their meal is going to be at tomorrow, probably. Now, for us, in 2018, in this room, I would guess most of us know what we're going to eat on Monday. We probably have an idea. We have food in a freezer or a pantry. We are well-fed people, right? (laughs) So how do we pray for provision in America today? How do we do that? Look at Matthew 6, uh, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Anxious is an emotional state, not a hungered state. That's an emotional reaction to life where Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. It's, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He is our Father in heaven. He will provide. But there is this important part of this prayer for us, two things. First is this right here. As we pray this, we are reminded, recalibrated, that He is the provider. Hear that, friends who have college degrees and jobs and 401ks and savings and all these things. God is the provider. God has provided you with education, with, a, with parents, with a home, with money, with resources. God is the provider of those things. God could have had you be born somewhere else where your life looks totally different. So for a moment, we can all humble ourselves, Right? We are not the master creator of our wealth, of our lives, of our homes. God is the sovereign provider. And now for some of us, where money is tight, God is the sovereign provider. We come to God every single day and say, Lord, give me my daily bread. And we, this takes time, and I I am not there yet, where we can learn to trust God on a daily basis. What if we didn't have food tomorrow? What would that look like? God, give me my daily bread. Second thing, praying for God to, to, to provide not just food and physical things, but to, for God to provide us emotional strength. As we even see here in Matthew six twenty five, do not be anxious about your life. 
for God to provide us with daily bread provision to trust him, to provide for my anxiety, my worry, that I would trust him, that he would be the bread of my life. Or possibly, that's where you come to God and you say, God, please meet this need. I have this sick loved one. I have this need over here. God, provide for this. God, move in this. So today, what is your daily bread? And we see this in the scripture of the, of the persistent widow where she keeps coming to God over, the judge over and over and over and over again that we should come to God the exact same way. We're persistent like a child saying, God, please move here. God, please move here. God, please provide. Please provide over and over and over again. Tim Keller says this. This is my last Tim Keller quote, I promise. It's a great book on prayer. You should pick it up. We know God will answer us when we call because one terrible day he did not answer Jesus when he called. Jesus' prayers were given the rejection that we sinners merit so that our prayers can have the reception that he merits. That's good stuff right there. That because Jesus took on all of our rebellion, we are free to go to our Father and ask him for what we need. And if we start with who God is and his will, we are changed so that our wants, our desires become God's wants, God's desires, and God moves through those things. As we come to God over and over and over again, this is the, capital T, capital H, capital E, the habit of our lives. Let's keep going. We pray to God for the Father's forgiveness. Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This releases our hold on being offended by anyone because God forgave the greatest offense from the greatest offender, which is you and me. Because God forgave the greatest offender in me, I can now say, okay, you're good. I can't say a word. He forgave me. That is the essence of this prayer right here. 1 John 1, 9 says this. You probably know this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if we don't confess our sins as being sins, like on a daily basis, these sins become normal and a part of our life because we're not calling them sins. Here's an example again from the beach this week. This is just like y'all's little lab for me. So we're at the beach, and if you didn't know, leaving the beach to go back to your, like, your little condo or whatever is where hell happens, apparently. And so when you're holding chairs and beach toys and sunscreen and towels, and kids are so happy at that moment right there. And you're walking, and the kids are screaming. And I was just like so mean to Tracy at one point. Gave her like a death stare or something, like I'm not doing anything else. And which seems small and little at that moment. The next morning, here's how this happens. And many of us are in this place right now. I'm in this place on some level. Where uh, the next morning, I, I came to God, walked into this prayer. Very kind of serious this week because I know I'm preaching. <laughs> um, and I come to God and, I, and I'm walking through my list. Lord, forgive my debts. What are my debts today and yesterday? And I walk through there and... That came to mind. I don't know if I told Tracy this or not. I'm sorry. And, um, and it hit me how selfish I was being. It was about me at that moment and how I needed forgiveness for that sin, for not loving my wife, for showing patience, showing grace. Here's what happens. Many times I, we, don't confess that sin. 
on a daily basis. And over time, that action becomes normal. And our hearts get hard, become sarcastic, become cold to each other, cold to others. And this is the pattern of our life because we're not confessing our sins. Because I primarily sinned against God. God gave me Tracy. God gave me beach toys. God gave me the beach. And I'm saying, I don't want those things, God. I'm throwing a fit. I'm being a toddler, right? So I sinned against the giver of all of these good gifts. And if we don't confess our sins, even though our sins are paid for, we live in this cold, apathetic, kind of dead life. So we must daily come to the Father for forgiveness. Confessing sins daily to God, it humbles us, and it truly deepens and sweetens our relationship with Jesus. Have you ever been in a big sin and been caught? It's terrible, but it's also great. You're in this huge sin, or you confess, or you've been caught. As a pastor, I see this a lot. And I'm always kind of weird about this. You come tell me, my marriage has ended, I did this terrible thing. You're confessing this? Yeah. Oh, great, we're going to be fine. And it's because there's this sense when you confess things, is when God truly begins to work. And there's this sweetness of the humility and the dependence on God when you have truly blown it. That is just so beautiful. And we have this opportunity, this, this command to come to God daily, frequently, and confess our sins to him. And in a sense, be thankful for our salvation every single day. Because our debts are paid. I am free to be humble, loving, and free to forgive others so quickly. We pray for the Father's forgiveness. Next, we pray for the Father's guidance. Lord, lead us not into temptation. 2 Timothy 2 says this, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Lord, lead us away from temptation. So on one hand, we've asked God to forgive us for these kind of past sins, right? This debt that he paid for us. Forgive us for these things. But then we look ahead, right? Lord, I know today I have this meeting, taking my kids here, doing this with my spouse. I've got to do this in my yard. All these kind of traps, right? Where we know I am going to walk away from the hope of my faith at some point today. So Lord, today, guide me. Lead me away from the temptation of my selfishness. Lord, even show me the path to righteousness today. How can I, in the midst of my day today, in this world, how can I be led towards hope and not towards temptation? What are the pitfalls today? Because we're talking to our Father. This should be very personal, very private, very practical. God, guide me today. Lead me away from this mess. I want to run towards you today. And write those things down. It could be you say, you say i got to pray once an hour today. Today is so heavy, so hard, I'm going to go to the bathroom once an hour every, every five minutes or whatever. And just pray to God, God, help me right now. Or you're going to read this scripture. Or you're going to call your spouse. You're going to text your friend. Whatever it might be, you're going to avoid these certain things, right? You know these things kind of trigger you or kind of set you on a path to kind of wrong things. Lord, guide me, lead me away from temptation. So we pray for the Father's guidance. And lastly, we pray for the Father's protection. But deliver us from evil. 
Listen, our problems are not flesh and blood problems. Our problems are not flesh and blood problems. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, hear this, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our problems are not flesh and blood problems. We pray for protection from the attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy wants to attack. People, friends, hear this. Our, our Father in heaven, all of this starts with him being the provider, the father, the protector. So um, in our neighborhood, uh, there's been a few cars broken into. Uh, and you would think we're like, you know, in the worst part of the world in the history of life on our Facebook page. That you see just this fear of other, right? This fear of people that aren't like me, that I don't know. Uh, and we, we live this way. And we live our entire lives to protect what is ours, right? Here's the truth. God is the protector. I'm not saying be unwise or don't take care of you. I'm not saying those things. But there's this ultimate sense that every time we get in a car, the Father's protecting us. Can we go out in our day-to-day life, the Father's watching over us then it's not really on us. God is sovereign. He loves you. He's in heaven. He's perfect. He's holy. That should bring us great peace and great rest. The battle is won. So our job is to come to our loving Father. I would say every day, I would say multiple times a day. Some are very private and very formal. Some are while you're driving. Right, talking to your kids, but there should be just this kind of habit of breathing as we pray as followers of Jesus. So very practically, how do we do this? Application. First thing I want to encourage you to do is to practice praying the Lord's Prayer. Practice this week praying the Lord's Prayer. So for you, this is new to you, just this week, just recite the words of the Lord's Prayer every single day. Maybe multiple times this, this week, just pray the Lord's Prayer. And I pray that as you walk through these petitions to the, to the Father, that there's kind of some more weight to you. But here's kind of how I pray through this. Um, really for the past five years of my life, I've kind of prayed this way. There's kind of three ways I pray through the Lord's Prayer. The first is I stop where it sticks. So I'm going through our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom comes, your will, boom, right there. The Spirit kind of, prompt something in my heart, I just stop right there. And Lord, God's kingdom, his will be done, just stays with me. And I just sit there. And I just pray that over and over, and I, and I kind of drop in my day to that, right? Lord, how can, how, how, can, how can I bring your kingdom on earth as I am, you know, taking my kids to school today? How can I do it? And I just kind of stay there all day long. I pray that all day long, God, let your kingdom come in my life today. Or maybe it's, uh, Lord, give us our daily bread. Lord, provide for me today. And I just stay there all day long, and I marinate on that, on that one phrase all day long. And I cry out to my Father, who is in heaven, these things he's given me, right? So stop where it sticks. Second, pour it over each request. So for you, maybe you have a sick loved one. Here's what, I, here's what I've done in the past. I would say, um, dear Heavenly Father, 
uh, my friend John. He is very, very sick. Not, 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 just a made up name. Um, John, uh, God, I know that you know John. You're his father, and God, you're in heaven. You're completely sovereign. You're not surprised by John's sickness at all. Lord, help us to worship you during this time, Lord. Lord, in John's life, in your kingdom, Lord, there is no sickness, Lord. There's no tears. There's none of those things. Lord, bring your heaven on earth through healing John. Lord, give John provision for today, Lord. Help him to eat well today, Lord. Provide for him peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. Lord, forgive John's debts today. As he doubts you, as, he, as he's worried, Lord, forgive him of his sin today. Let him forgive others freely, Lord. Lord, guide John towards you, towards the river of life, the river of joy, Lord. Guide John that, and Lord, protect John. Protect John from the attack of the enemy. So that's how I pray for many of you in this room. I prayed for you that way, that we come together and we have this I've heard the Lord's Prayer, it could be as shallow as just kind of saying the words, dipping your toe in, or as deep as you want to go. You can just kind of live here for your entire life. Listen, the Lord's Prayer encapsulates all kinds of prayer. The Psalms, the acts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, all of those things are wrapped up in the Lord's Prayer. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was doing when he said, pray like this. And last... We have these cards, right? We, we sent out a month ago. The By Name Initiative. The By Name Initiative. And this is the last week of the initiative. So now on Tuesday, you can stop praying forever for those people. <laughs> because here's the deal. The, uh, these things are like, in a sense, training wheels. And we want us to get started in these things. But here's the truth. We should never leave this thing behind. The people God put on your heart should be your people you pray for over and over and over again. So I would encourage you with this. This week, that person you wrote down, those people you wrote down, place their name in the Lord's Prayer. Dear Lord, help John to see you as his father. Adopt John into your family, Lord. Help John to see you as right, as holy, as sovereign, as the king, and to submit to your lordship, Father. Help John to worship you, Lord. Help John to live for your kingdom and not his kingdom, Lord. Lord, help John to seek for, help John to trust you to provide for him, Lord. Lord, help John to seek forgiveness for his sins, Lord. Lord, help guide John towards yourself, Lord. Protect John from the attacks and the lies of this world so that he can trust in you. We must learn to practice praying. And I'm not trying to like talk down to anyone. I just want to share with you how I have prayed the past five years and how God kind of commands us to pray, to pray like this and for you to encourage you to just start this habit, to practice this. The only way we get better is to actually practice these things. So first, practice praying the Lord's Prayer. Second, find a prayer mentor. Pray with others. If there's a prayer meeting going on, go attend that prayer meeting. Go pray and learn from other people. We're all in this room as the result of other people teaching us and mentoring us. So find someone ahead of you in this game, in this faith, and ask them, how do you pray? When do you pray? Where do you pray? How do you do this? Can I pray with you? Can we pray together? Listen, every Tuesday we gather at noon for prayer time. Come pray with us. Just come pray. Practice praying with others. And last thing, 
become desperate. I gave the illustration of Hayes and Connor, how we were gone, and they lost, they lost their minds. They lost it. What if you couldn't pray for a week? How would your life change? Ian Bound says this, God's plan is to make much of the man, far more of him than anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. Um, there has to be this kind of spiritual light turned on in some way. Start just these habits of praying. But also just kind of seek desperation. Challenge yourself. Ask others to challenge you to be desperate in this. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. My goodness, you're good to us, Father. And so many times we are, um, we are going to a table with food that does not satisfy. So Lord, forgive us for our foolishness, for our apathy, for looking to silly things. Lord, please make us, make me desperate, Lord. Lord, we can hear uh, some principles and some practices all day long, and they're so helpful, and we should walk in those things, Father. But as we walk in these things, Lord, make us desperate. Let us get a glimpse of your presence, Father, that erupts in this kind of overflowing desire for, for you. You're good to us, Father. Forgive us of our debts. Let us respond with faithful obedience. Lord, we love you. Pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to now move into time of communion where um, this is a great opportunity as we even talk about prayer. We talk about these things of our Father in heaven, right? This is a great picture of our Father in heaven, where he came very, very close to us, right? Put on flesh for us, paid the price for your sins and my sins, right? But he's also holy, and he defeated death, so that we can now celebrate and partake in his Lord's Supper. So this is for uh, followers of Jesus. I'm a member of our church, so take with this with us. Um, come when you're ready.
lost my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on. That cursed tree His body bound And drenched in tears They laid him down In Joseph's tomb The entrance sealed By heavy stone my Savior still And all along oh, Praise the name And oh praise the name Of the Lord our God Oh praise His name Oh, praise the 
Amen. You can be seated. We'll ask our ushers to come forward. We're prepared to take up our offering. Let me say a prayer over our offering today. Father, thank you for uh, being a good father and trusting us with good gifts. Remind us even today that we are owners of nothing and stewards of everything and that we would give um, out of the overflow, Lord, of what you've done in and through us and that you would use these uh, monetary funds to actually help pave a way for the kingdom to even go further um, around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As they pass the baskets out, if you'd put your prayer request in there or um, any tithes and offerings that you brought with you. And um, I want to talk just briefly.